Well, hello, Valley Lights Church family. We just, uh, Aaron and I, we just flew back from a trip in New Mexico, and we took Southwest. I don't know if you've ever flown Southwest, but some people like it because there's no assigned seating, and so you can sit anywhere you want. You can sit in the front or the back, although that stresses other people out because you don't know if you're going to be able to sit with the person that you're traveling with because there's no assigned seating. And usually all the aisles and the windows fill up and none of the middle seats do. So, so uh, you know, I was I was aware of this. So I, when check-in online, it was available. I did that as like as soon as I could to get like a good um, spot on the line for boarding. So the sooner you check in, the better your boarding number is. And... So we got to the airport after our trip was done. We're getting ready to board. And I, we actually had pretty good numbers. And we were in the front of the B line. And so I walk up and there's a couple in that area. And there's, you know, sometimes you got to shuffle around to get in the right order. And um, I asked this couple, I was like, oh, I, um, I think that's our spot. What, uh, what boarding number are you guys? And, you know, it's friendly. I, this is how I normally do it. And uh, they're like, oh, I don't think it matters. And it was clear that they were not going to move out of the position they were standing in, which was at the very front of the line. And I was like, what? I was like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And um, I could actually see their boarding tickets and um, their numbers were further back. And the guy, his, they were not even together and his spot, his, he was in a different section altogether. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are, they're going to just stand in the front and um and you know what they're probably my guess is they're going to push to the front of the line and experience no consequences from that they'll they'll probably get on at the time that they want to and that's that is what happened and i was thinking um you know she said oh it doesn't matter where you stand and i thought well apparently it does because if it didn't matter you could just go stand in the back of the line but you're standing in the very front so, you know, we got, we all boarded and um, they went on, we went on. I was able to sit next to Aaron, my wife, which was my biggest goal anyway. And it really wasn't a problem. It really wasn't that, it wasn't that big of a deal to be two people behind the position. But there was just something about it that really was frustrating me. I felt really chapped, really, as we were taking off. And I was thinking, you know, why am I so frustrated? And um, the re I, I came to the conclusion, the part of the reason I was so frustrated is because I still deal with a very strong pull towards serving myself and getting what I think I deserve. Like, or and I'm gonna put that in air quotes, getting what I deserve. <laughs> and so I, I began to think, you know, how, how would Jesus have responded if he was standing in line in Southwest and because, you know, it's, it's said about him a few times in the Bible that when he would respond to people, the onlookers would be really amazed at how gracious he was. And so I was like, what, what would the people watching my interaction, what would amaze them with my gracious response, which I didn't do. And I, and the best I came up with in the moment was, you know, maybe I could have said something like, I see you guys want to stand there. I'd, I'd be happy to give you my place or something like that. And uh, we finally get back to LAX, which is our ending destination. Grab our baggage. I wasn't, you know, I was, I was over it. I hadn't really been thinking about it. And so grabbed our bags. We're standing on the curb waiting for our parking shuttle. And 
as soon as we, we just stop walking, I, I look in front of me and this couple is standing right there in front of us on the curb. I was like, oh my goodness, they're here again. And as soon as they realize it, they actually walked to the other side of the platform. I don't exactly know why. And um, I was like, okay, well, there they are. I was like, well, I guess this will be the last I see them. It, because there's like a there's like a thousand parking shuttles coming and going, picking people up. And I was like, all right, well, we'll just wait for our shuttle. Our shuttle arrives. Guess who steps onto our parking shuttle first? <laughs> it's this same couple. <laughs> so they get on, we get on, and now we're just sitting facing each other on the shuttle. And I just had to laugh. I was like, I got only only you could be the one to design it to work out this way. And um, I, you know, I, I didn't really want to engage them in friendly conversation. And uh, which surprised me because I was still, I, I realized now that I'm facing them that I'm still frustrated with this, this these people. And uh, I realized, man, I, th I thought I totally dealt with that on the airplane, but apparently I didn't. Apparently I still have some unforgiveness in my heart towards this offense that I have. So I finally and fully let it go, forgave them, and started a conversation. And we had a pleasant chat as we went back to the parking spot. And, uh, you know, that situation showed me that I still deal with pride and arrogance. My pride says, hey, I'm, I'm better than you. And my arrogance says, I deserve better than you. And I deserve to get what I want. And I think all of us, we can be pretty consumed with getting what we want and getting what we think we deserve. And that can really block us from serving people in life. And the question comes up, if, if I do go ahead and serve people, am I going to get ripped off? If I sacrifice for others, let people take my place, I mean, don't I need to take care of myself? And I, I feel like I, I still battle that question on a regular basis. You know, I, I have to battle, who am I going to serve? Myself or the people that God has put around me? And uh, by the way, my name is Bruce Wood. It, and if you're new to Valley Lights and listening to our messages, um, I would love to get the, man, the chance to meet you at some point. But today, we're, we're going to look at the concept of trusting God from an interesting angle. Because whenever we decide to elevate the interests of others, it requires a shift in our perspective. It really requires trusting God on a whole nother level. And last week, one of our volunteer leaders, Mitchell, uh, he spoke on the topic of trusting God, but that's when life goes in an unexpected direction. And I'd encourage you to listen to that. It was a really great message. But today we're gonna look at another aspect of trusting God, and that is I can trust God to take care of me even when I pour out my life for others. Sometimes this seems hard to believe. I mean, can I really trust God? Don't, you know, can I trust? Well, you know, even if I don't get the things that I want, can I trust God? And for me, it, it helps when I view myself as a soldier of the king, really in the service of Jesus as my commander. And if I'm in the Lord's army, Generally, my small goals are pretty insignificant in comparison to the big rescue mission that God wants to accomplish. And so I believe that God invites us to join him and he invites us to live on mission. So I want to read about a guy who 
truly did live on mission. This is a story from the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he was a guy that was known for pouring out his life for others. And his mark on history is unmeasurable because of it. Um, he wrote a letter to the Colossian church. And what I'm about to read to you has been very inspiring to me. It's helped me to stay motivated in the pursuit of serving others and lowering myself. And so this portion I'm going to read, is it's the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 in the letter to the Colossians. Um, when Paul wrote this, he didn't have like verse numbers and chapter numbers. It was just a letter. And so later they made these chapter divisions, but it, they, they started chapter 2, like right in the middle of his flow of thinking. So um, we're going to read through this consecutively, but it starts in... Verse 28, Paul describes his mission, part of it anyway. He says, We proclaim him, meaning Jesus, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And now I think I think Paul was probably really good at preaching. You know, like he's saying, you know, we proclaim him. There's probably some preaching involved in that. But I think he's probably also really good in conversation, talking to people asking really good questions, drawing out people's thoughts and sharing insights in a really helpful um, and Holy Spirit-directed way. And so he says that he would warn people. That word warning also means to admonish. Basically, it's, it's like giving really strong, friendly advice. So the kind of warning is not a harsh warning, a reprimand, um, it's, it, but it is a strong warning, but it's got a very genuine goodwill motivating it really a goodwill for people to help get them on track with god because his goal ultimately was to see people reach maturity in christ uh, really helping people move closer and closer to being fully developed followers who would please god in every way and that really was a process and uh you know part of the reason he did that is because people would get off track back then in colossa colossae and uh, people can get off track now. <laughs> and I'm going to show you some stats um, that talk about this. So there's a recent study done um, polling the percentage of Christian pastors that possess a biblical worldview. And they found that in this study, uh, lead pastors today, 41% of them have a biblical worldview. So that's less than half. Yikes. So only one out of every two pastors has a truly biblical worldview. Um, the assistant pastor, it's less, it's 28%. If you drop down to the teaching pastor or the children's pastor, or youth pastors, those all have the same, right around 12 or 13%. Um, you know, like one out of like 10 or two out of 10 maybe. And uh, the executive pastor, now those are guys who oversee like real, real big churches, um, only 4% have a biblical worldview. And this is shocking. This is really startling. It's basically what happens is in our society, in our culture, there's different ideas that we pick up from the world around us. We kind of absorb some ideas from our culture about how roles and marriage are supposed to operate, how wives and husbands are supposed to operate, about sexuality, about strategies for parenting, about the way that we do business, all, all kinds of things. And we just kind of absorb different ways of thinking that actually runs against what the bible says and it's not like these guys and all these pastors are like necessarily completely off the deep end but maybe they've syncretized some of their beliefs so now they've they've just blended in to the bible some things from the culture which ultimately is very dangerous 
So Paul's, Paul was aware that this was happening then, still happens now, but that's, uh, that's why he, Paul would give these warnings and teachings to people to really help people reach maturity in Christ, to really grow spiritually. And if you've ever experienced a really strong, direct warning uh, from a leader that had your best interest at heart, it may not have felt great, but if you listened to it and you responded, then you know the impact that this can have. So this others-focused approach that Paul had, it didn't come easy. Because in the next verse, he says, I labor for this. I mean, this helping people grow spiritually. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. So the first thing that I want you to notice about living on mission is it may be an exhausting struggle. <laughs> and so you might even notice some of the words in, in those verses there where he says, labor, which means to work hard, just get weary, to grow fatigued, get to where I'm just falling into bed every night from the hard work. That's how he worked. He said striving, which that word can mean wrestling or competing or fighting with endurance and focus and discipline. And then he says, I was struggling. I str I'm struggling for you, meaning persevering, enduring opposition. I, you know, I'm, I'm getting beaten up in the process, but I'm struggling and moving forward for you. So Paul, he's got these words that describe how he poured himself out for other people. I don't think that Paul was all that concerned about booking a trip to Hawaii in the peak season. <laughs> Uh, you know, Paul probably did take breaks. Maybe he would take days off. I don't know. Maybe he would, you know, go to some nice beaches in the Mediterranean. But even if he did take breaks, he clearly wasn't living for vacation. He was living for the mission. And so it brings to mind for me this idea of having a vacation mindset or a mission mindset. Whenever we have a vacation mindset, Really, the question that we ask is, what's going to be the most pleasurable and the most fun and the most enjoyable thing for me? Because that's what I want to go after. If we're living with a mission mindset, we're asking a totally different question. What's going to be good for the people around me? And what's going to be pleasing to God? So a vacation mindset, it might be okay when you're on vacation. But even then, imagine if you go with a whole family or some other people that everyone's living on the vacation mindset, asking what's good for me. <laughs> what happens when what's good for him is not good for me or her, you know, and everyone's just grabbing for what they want. The vacation mindset actually is not that helpful anyway. Vacations aren't bad. In fact, I'm going on one in this week. Um, but even on vacation, we can still operate our lives with a mission mindset. So Paul labored and struggled to help many people experience growth. And I want to show you a few of the guys who've done that for me. In the uh, attached PowerPoint, um, you can see a photo of, this is a group of guys at my ordination council. These are, these are some pastors, some church leaders, also just some normal businessmen, professors. These, some of these guys live in different states. They're from all different decades. And these, this is a group of men that have known me for years, many years. And uh, they met as a council to decide about whether or not to affirm me to become a pastor of Valley Lights. And this was before Valley Lights was the church. And uh, this group has 
corrected me, encouraged me, supported me. They've, they've really labored and struggled for my benefit. They've done that by paying my way to really important conferences. They've stayed up late, you know, different, different of these guys and their wives would stay up late um, to talk with Aaron and I, help give us the coaching we need on our marriage or they would give coaching on parenting. Um, some of these guys have showed me how to act like a man in, in my, my role as a man or as just doing manly things like learning how to change the oil or do home repairs. And I've gone backpacking and climbing, learning how to, how do you have fun in ways that honor God. That's a really good thing to learn. And so here's a, this is a group of guy that they've really poured themselves out, different guys at different times, but godly men. And I just ask, where would I be without people like this in my life? And who would I be without them? Another photo is a big group photo of um, where I was last weekend in New Mexico. We were at the Antioch Project Summit. And uh, Antioch Project is a, it's an intense five-year training program run by our church network that we're a part of, um, training people for ministry, full-time ministry. And the training, this five-year program is known as the, a pressure cooker. It's a very difficult program to complete. And when you graduate, the opportunities that God provides after that is, you know, in many ways, even more difficult to live out. And uh, so it, this is an inspiring photo because this is a huge group photo of people that have deliberately signed up for the struggle that Paul is talking about. People that want to make their lives about the mission in a very significant way, knowing that it's going to be a lot of hard work. I can relate to Paul, the striving and the struggling, because at times that's how it's felt being a part of getting this church started. Um, and many of you have joined us in exhausting yourselves in order to see Valley Lights get established. Many, many people have grown and there's been a lot of life change because what we're doing as a team is really making a difference. Um, and then here, I have another photo of Mitchell speaking last Sunday at church. And since I was gone, I needed someone to preach for me and he's never done that before and really hasn't had training on it. Um, but he did a great job, and when he agreed to speak, he basically signed himself up to join the struggle. He had this uh, poison oak episode that blended with another allergic reaction that landed him in the ER on Saturday, the day before the Sunday that he spoke. <laughs> and um, it was a big physical mess that uh, was hard to recover from, but he pushed through and was there on Sunday. And... When I heard that that was happening while I was away, I thought some people would say that maybe it's coincidental, but I know I've been doing this long enough to see a pattern that when somebody steps out in faith to do something really difficult, it's usually met with opposition because we have an enemy that's trying to stop the good things that we're doing. And so I knew, I, I even told them ahead of time, you might be signing yourself up for some struggle. I'm not um, saying that. It's going to happen, but you got to be prepared for a battle because it may come. And uh, he knew. He knew that that's what was happening. And over time, as we do pour ourselves out for people and just serving them and loving others, we can become tired and weary. And, you know, when you look to the interests of other people, it can be really draining. And that's why I really love the way that Paul phrased it when he says, I'm striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. 
he really looked to God for strength. And we have the ability to tap into a supernatural strength as well. Um, it may be working really long days or getting up super early or staying up super late. And sometimes when we work with people, the fruit is really slow to come or it's going really slow. We've got to draw our strength from God. In Colossians earlier in this letter that we're reading, Paul prays for them. He said he prays that they would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might so that they may have great endurance and patience. And when we do God's work, we get God's we get access to God's resources and uh, they happen to work even better than coffee. <laughs> so Paul goes on to explain more of his motivation for pouring out. Um, this is chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. Now that to me sounds like a godly community of people. People whose hearts are encouraged and they're joined together in love. And he really wanted that. He, he wanted them to feel and experience that so that, here's what he says, that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this verse is amazing to me because there's this fascinating connection between a rich community and a rich understanding of God. And uh, this is really interesting. When, when Paul wrote this, there were, again, a lot of really dangerous ideas in the culture that would confuse and infiltrate the Christians and affect the way that they lived. People could get easily deceived and off track. And what he's saying is there's, there is a richness to life when we do it God's way. Finding Jesus is like finding a hidden treasure. One of the things that helps us unlock that treasure of life God's way is when our hearts are encouraged and joined together in love. You know, you'd think it would be something where like, you know, I'm going to unlock the treasure box when I'm just by myself studying in my closet. And that does actually, that is really important. But there's more to it that Paul's getting at here. There's this encouragement from being with other devoted followers of Christ. And that word encourage, it means when people are encouraging one another, that it means to urge and lovingly challenge one another to walk in God's ways, to spur one another on. And so based on this, living on mission can also produce a godly community. Living on mission can produce a godly community. One of the reasons that Paul was willing to strive and labor and deplete himself is that he was more concerned about that godly community forming than he was about his own sleep or comfort or his own schedules. So maybe you've experienced this. When, when our hearts are encouraged and joined together in love, sacrificial service for one another, it opens up treasures of knowing Jesus on a deeper level. And so I've got... Um, a few photos in the PowerPoint of different activities that highlight this from the from this um, this spring. Uh, we've had um, some groups uh, where people get together and uh, sit around a fire pit and talk about God's ways and encourage each other. There was a women's bouquet event, which was really exciting because we've had just as many women attend that were had never met us or our church or our community as there were normal, regular uh, women attending. Um, there's been a few groups that have gone bowling just to have fun and just enjoy life and time together and doing some fun activities in a God-honoring way. Um, we had a, a wedding shower for a young couple that got married 
And that really was a time where some specific encouragement and urging and, and loving challenge was given to them to walk the next stage in God's ways. And I think everyone who was there was encouraged by that experience. Um, some of our kids have been helping. And there's a photo of that just being a part of the work on Sundays or the projects that we do. Um, others, there's it's photos of people painting and doing projects together here or serving lunch to others, um, or just men working together on projects at home. Just guy needs help, and the help gets done better and faster when you've got others helping you out too. And so in all of those different experiences and photos and times where we've been together, you can really see, in even just a few months in the life of our church, you can see people being encouraged and spurred on to walk in God's ways. And you can see people sacrificially loving each other and serving one another. And the result, I believe, is that there's just been this opening of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge of Christ, and that we get to know Jesus better. We get to walk with God stronger when we experience those things together. And maybe you've felt that. Maybe the more that you've invested in godly community, you've maybe understood God more. You understand more about what he's like. And most people don't know that this is the way life works. That's why it says that in Jesus' hidden the treasure of wisdom. It's A hidden treasure is not out in the open for people to see. It's extremely valuable, but extremely difficult to find. So most people don't know this. And uh, man, I have found a treasure in all of you. You who are a part of our church. Um, the people of Valley Lights ha have come to mean so much to me. Part of the reason that I identify with Paul in Colossians in this passage is because this journey that we've been on has required the hardest work in my life. And it's produced some of the richest joys. I've learned so much more about God. My faith has deepened more than ever before because of getting to build this church together and share life with you. The amount of striving and laboring that I've done has been worth the reward. And I actually expect that the cost on my life is going to go up and that the rewards will go up as well. I think the cost is going to increase. So this kind of experience, I think it takes a lot of people being willing to live with a mission mindset. In the next verse, Paul explains about more about why this is important. He says, I'm saying this, I'm saying these things so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. Just like there's a lot of fine-sounding ideas and articles in our culture about how to do life that run against the Bible. It says, For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are in the strength of your faith in Christ. The Colossian church was a bright spot in Paul's life. It was a reason for rejoicing. Paul wasn't just after converts, tally marks on the wall, just, oh, got another one saved. Just some people that would make an intellectual ascent, just decide, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. He wanted to see people grow faith with strong roots. He wanted to see strong, well-ordered faith that could withstand the pressures of life. And so for Paul, living on mission brings joy as faith grows in others. He experienced a lot of joy. I mean, after all that, after all that laboring and striving and struggling and pouring himself out and expending himself, does he sound resentful 
Does Paul sound bitter and frustrated about that or entitled? No, he's, he says he's rejoicing. All of that pouring out turned into joy. His heart was full. And it, it, it is possible to sacrifice for people and then get bitter about it. Maybe, maybe that's happened. I mean, I, I did this hard work for them and I didn't get thanks or this didn't turn out the way I thought it would. That happens if we're doing our service for the wrong reasons, to get something out of it, rather than being on mission because that's what's pleasing to God. So on June 1st, 2020, that was my first day as the lead pastor of Valley Lights. I actually was still in Riverside. We hadn't moved here yet. Um, but that means this past Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, was the official two-year mark of me being a pastor, a lead pastor. And it's incredible that we've made it through these two packed years of life and ministry. And my heart feels full. God has done so much here. He's done so much in me. And in light of reaching this milestone, I wanted to let you know about a few things coming up. And uh, there's a slide for this as well. But first, God has provided a special trip for my family. We're going to be traveling for, for the next three weeks, what I'm going to be calling the Tour of New England, <laughs> because uh, first we're going to celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary, which is um, this week. Uh, we're, uh, Aaron and I will be going to Maine and experience uh, all kinds of fun things there. Um, and then also after that, we're going to see my extended family in New York. And after that, we'll get to uh, see Aaron's family in Pennsylvania for a family reunion. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the chance that we have to pause the work. I'm grateful for a chance to reflect on what God has done. And I, I really think this is going to help our family prepare for the next chapter of Running Hard. Um, I don't think that we deserve a vacation, um, that we're entitled to that in any way. Um, you know, with all the hard work that we've put in for the last two years, I, I'm the well. Here's what I say about it. You know, in Luke 17, um, Jesus says, after after you've really, really worked hard and you've just gutted it out, the thing you should say is, I've only done my duty. So all the work we've put in, we've just done our duty. Um, what God has wanted us to do. So even though we don't deserve a vacation, I am really grateful that God has graciously provided this opportunity for us. Um, he's provided the resources for the flights for six people, um, the grandparents to watch our kids for that anniversary part of it, and he's provided a very trustworthy team of people here to keep the work going while we're gone. And I know I'm going to miss seeing everybody. It's going to feel really weird for me, honestly, because even if I just miss one Sunday like I did last week, it just I felt like I was away from everybody for way too long. And so I'm going to be very eager to come back and reconnect. While I'm gone, Barry Rogers will be speaking. This is one of the other things coming up. And uh, Barry's already been working really hard for over a month on a three-part message series on prayer. And praying is it's one of those things, it's hard to know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> but Jesus gave some very inspiring instructions about how to pray. And if you pray well, it can really help you reach a new depth in your walk with God. So I'm really excited about that series starting this Sunday. I really, I think you'll find it helpful. Um, also coming up July 10th, in a few weeks, about a month, we're going to be having a launch team celebration and recognition in service. 
Our launch team is the group of eight adults and their kids who made a two-year commitment to get us off the ground. Um, they locked themselves in and they have fulfilled that two-year commitment really well and they're going to be released from that um, next month. And this team has been at my side. They've been pushing hard. They've been living on mission for two years straight. And uh, we want to acknowledge the sacrifice and the impact that that's made. Um, the uh, pastor of our sending church, OCC, Josh, and his wife, Erica, they're going to be here. And we may have some other supporters that are going to be here to kind of celebrate with us on that day. And uh, I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be a pretty encouraging day. Also coming up, uh, for this summer, we're going to have some connecting events in you know the next few months. And my hope is that we have events that will help really strengthen our relationships with each other and uh, be able to enjoy time and you know have that encouragement and also be able to do some evangelism that you might be able to invite some friends or family or coworkers that you have that uh, don't they're not plugged into a church they don't walk with God and they can be a part of those events or our services during the summer um, that's coming up and then in the fall we'll do some more outreach events as a church to reach out and find new families and people in our community we'll start some new life groups and midweek meeting groups um, for growth and at some point we'll celebrate the two-year anniversary of our church um, and then another thing coming up is we might consider moving back to Rio Norte Junior High School in 2023, so January. Um, now that would be a move away from this great spot that we're in now. It would be moved from, you know, going to a portable situation again. But I would consider doing that for two primary reasons. One is that our current situation is a bit precarious. <laughs> we're on a month-to-month -month contract, which means that um, we're paying way less than what this place is worth because we can't afford to pay more at our current stage in church. And if our um, landlords decide to increase their rent beyond what we can pay, we'd have to move. Or if someone else decides to move in because it's available, you know, to be rented, you know, since we're only month to month, uh, we may have to move for that reason. So we're in a little bit of a precarious situation and, um, Rio Norte is available for rent. The other reason is I think it might be possible that we've got some ministry opportunities in that school and in that neighborhood that we don't necessarily have here. And uh, if we decide to move in that direction, uh, I'm gonna, I would like to bring you more in on some of those ideas and those reasons and we could talk about that. But let me just uh, jump back into Colossians and look at the next two verses. And this will wrap us up at our study in, in this passage. But this, these next two verses are a really compelling vision for the road ahead, for where we're moving on and looking at the summer. And I, I really love what Paul says here. He says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. I love this statement. These two verses have been like a guideline for my own life and a prayer that I have often prayed for other people. I've prayed this for you, these verses, that, that you would continue to walk in him, that you'd be rooted and built up in Jesus and established in your faith and overflowing with gratitude. And um, I, I believe that when we do this thing of 
pouring ourselves out, living on mission, it can lead to a strong, upbeat life in Jesus. And so these two verses, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, I, I think of redwood trees, and I have a picture of this, but redwoods, I don't know if you've ever been to Sequoia National Forest or the NorCal, but there's there are these just huge, mind-blowingly large trees that, and when you stand on them, you can't even hardly take it in. And um, they're just huge, and they're rooted, and they are enduring. They've just endured centuries, and fires, and bugs, and all kinds of things. And that, that to me, is the kind of image that comes to mind when I read what Paul writes here about being rooted, about being built up in Christ, being established and solid and durable in our faith, not weak and wavering based on what culture says or based on our circumstances, and on top of it all, overflowing with gratitude, experiencing a delight and a joy in life. You know, complaining bitter people have a pretty rough time in life, but grateful people are full of joy that's just really hard to dislodge. So this entire passage in Colossians that we just looked at today, it's been a source of encouragement for me. And I, I've determined I, I can trust God to take care of me when I pour out my life for others. We can. We can trust God to take care of us. It may be an exhausting struggle, but it can produce a godly community. It can bring joy as faith grows in others, and it leads to a strong, upbeat life in Christ. You know, we're still going to have that pull towards serving myself. <laughs> we're going to still be pulled towards getting what we think we deserve. And as we head into the summer, it there may be a natural temptation for you to make the summer about yourself. But God invites us to join him in his work. He invites us to pay a cost, to strive and struggle for the benefit of other people. And if we let him, God can use our lives to build something really significant. So I just want to end by highlighting a few practical ways that you might consider doing this. And if Valley Lights is your church home, you probably want it to keep going strong over the summer. <laughs> Newer, smaller churches have a hard time surviving the summer months when involvement dips. So my hope is that we're not, we're not only able to survive, but we're able to remain strong and remain on mission. So you have the chance to make a mental shift and be a part of that. You could shift from being a consumer to a co-laborer. A consumer is somebody that walks into church and says, what's in it for me? Do I want to be here? Do I want to go? What's good for me? And that's kind of actually where we all start out. And it's an okay starting point. But at some point, it's helpful to shift towards being a co-laborer who says, what's needed for the mission, even if it's inconvenient for me? And... Uh, so some ways that you might make that shift this summer is to, here's one really practical way, is to share a meal. I mean, that's a really simple thing. You might invite somebody over to your house and just cook for them. Or just might offer, hey, let's go grab some burgers and hang out. You really can create a sense of community that many people are looking for just by sharing a meal. And it, it is common, it's often that sometimes we want to be asked or we'll be waiting. Like if somebody invites me, yeah, I'll go. That's the easier thing. But how about, what if we were to, what if you were to just go ahead and invite somebody and take the initiative? Um, you might even consider doing that once a month. You could do it January, or I'm sorry, this month of June, do it again in July, and one other time in August. And imagine if 
a lot of people in our church were taking initiative to do that, the kind of solid community relationships that could grow. You can also do holidays and hangouts together. We just had Memorial Day, 4th of July is coming up. Of course, there's Labor Day at the end of the summer, the Santa Clarita Parade, concerts in the park, beach days. And uh, you might just look around our church and think, who, who, can, who do I know? And how can I bring someone else into my plans, into my life? And um, this month, June especially, um, it's going to be a slower time of scheduled, organized church events. So um, next few weeks, it's just going to be a little bit slower on the church calendar. But it doesn't have to be a slower time in relationships. Um, it actually help us a lot if people would take initiative to keep that community going. Another way to shift from being a consumer to a co-laborer is to attend service on the Sundays that you're in town. And a common thing is just that, you know, for people to ask themselves, hey, do I want to go to church this morning? I had a busy weekend. I had a big work day on Saturday. Um, do I want to go <laughs> is perhaps not the greatest starting point question. You might ask yourself on a Sunday morning, how can I be a blessing to others? And just showing up. Um, you know, of course, you'll be on vacations and you'll be absent. And, you know, that's going to probably be the case for many people. But the Sundays that you're in town, your presence here at church can have a very powerful impact of encouraging other people that are here. Another way to help out is to carry the load in Kids Zone. And, uh, you know, what's funny is even when our involvement dips, somehow the number of kids in Kids Zone doesn't really dip. <laughs> and um, it could really be, it really is a sacrifice that people make to be on the other side of the wall in the kids' classes while church is going on in here, but it's so needed. It's such a big part of us accomplishing the mission. You could help out with that. And then maybe there's something else that God is stirring in your heart as you listen. Something that maybe, some other way to become a, a sacrificial, self-inconveniencing co-laborer. Uh, maybe something you need to give up. Maybe something you need to start or a person that you need to invest in if god's stirring you to action go ahead and take you know take a step and see see what he does with that all of those things represent sacrifice and by inconveniencing yourself you can be among the committed core who help our church families stay strong during the unpredictable summer months so i hope that you'll uh, come to church this coming sunday i invite you to look for uh, a very fresh perspective on how to develop a rich and meaningful prayer life. Um, this summer might be a great time for you to rekindle your walk with God or begin walking with God for the first time. So the message series that's going to be starting, I think it's going to be helpful for anyone wanting to grow spiritually. Um, let me uh, just end with a word of prayer and, uh, and we'll wrap this up. Father, I thank you so much for the guidance in your word and the incredible ways that you've grown Valley Lights and the way that you've used a lot of the sacrifices that people have made to see it grow. Help us to grow stronger in the summer and may we be firmly rooted and established in Christ as Paul writes in Colossians. Um, would you protect and guide our church over the next few months, allow it to keep producing fruit that pleases and honors you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for listening. I'm excited to for the next time that I get to see you in person. Have a great week.